and welcome to episode 28 of the Talent Intelligence Podcast. Today we are joined by Stella Bio, Baya, sorry, um, DE&I pr practitioner, technical recruiter, UX designer, a Berlin Pride board member, like I could go on and on and on your resume is uh, pretty impressive. So I am delighted to have you on the podcast today. How are you? Hey, thank you for the invitation. I'm really happy to be here. Um, yeah, everything is going well and looking forward to the exchange. Wonderful. So Stella, you're technically, you're currently a technical recruiter at Update. Um, and I did a little bit of research before I came on and Update is a, describes itself as a fast moving tech and media company with the vision, you can tell I'm reading this off of my second screen, can't you? With the vision to contribute to a better informed and more trustworthy world. So um, just to kick things off, I wonder if you can tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got into UX design, how you got into design for recruiting and just how you ended up over at working it up. Mm -hmm. um... So basically, I've been working in human resources all my life. I mean, I also have a master in human resources. Yeah. Um, I'd say like in the last couple of years, I also started to get into activism, like queer and trans activism, which also explained why uh, in my work, I took a turn really focused on diversity and inclusivity. Yeah. Um, so actually, right now, I am not a technical recruiter anymore. Oh, uh, I mean, sorry. Uh, no, no, that's fine. I was the first six months of my contract. Uh, but no, because of the economical situation, we have a hiring freeze. So I had to kind of like shift to another project, which is amazing because no one dealing with um, performance, like creating a performance review, um, creating a compensation structure with level um, and competencies uh, for each career path. Mm -hmm. uh, so the idea now is not to hire, but it's to retain people because one of the main issue in our NPS survey. So we did two NPS survey. Uh, actually, we just finished the this one. It's always in March, um, and the results are actually worse than last year. And uh, most of the detractors um, express that they want a salary increase. You know that they want transparency about the career path. So it's actually amazing that we're already working on this project, which is going to answer to the specific pain point. Um, but to come back to your first question about uh, UX and so on, I did a this UX bootcamp last year because for me, you know, it's really, I would say it's really important to, to have an impact, you know, and to create a safer space for everyone. Um, there are so many, you know, identities intersection um i mean right now i'm trying to really focus my work on people with disability or like neurodiverse people because yeah. i think they are often forgotten from this like gen gender race sexuality um and yeah and also well big news from the first of june uh i'm gonna because my contract ends actually um like uh, we're going to launch our diversity and inclusivity agency, which is also HR consulting and it's called Audacity. So we give free mentoring to people from marginalized community on how to negotiate the salary um, for people uh, working in the HR department, um, 
how to handle some very difficult situation, either with management or with employee. So this we do for free, uh, definitely. But then in the future, like we're gonna offer services to to cooperation on how to create a inclusive, uh, inclusiver and safer space, but also how to, you know, I'd like to say uh, include like a more inclusive space uh, for business excellence. I think it's definitely you know relevant, uh, but also especially when it comes to the products. Yeah, of course. It's funny that's um we at Solutions Driven we have a, a chief diversity officer, um Salma, and the way the way that she came to work with us was that she was like a freelancer and had her own business, and she the new our CEO ended up coming in just to do a bit of um like consultancy because we kind of realized we were falling quite far behind on diversity, and then she came in and and ended up working here, and it's 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 the same idea like how to make the business more inclusive, but also just how to make all of our processes more inclusive as well. Obviously, we're not a tech company, but we're quite process-driven in that way. So, yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, like, one thing which is important when it comes to diversity and inclusivity is to acknowledge that we all full of bullshit, you know? Like, there is no company where you can say, hey, we don't have racism. Like, this is not true. Because I think the first step is to acknowledge that a lot of things like sexism, racism, homophobia, and so on are structural and institutional. And once you acknowledge this, I think that it's easier to say, like, okay, what can we do to uh, improve our processes? What can we do to reach these targets? But I think a lot of companies at the moment, um, in general are in denial, like, you know, they don't want to acknowledge. And I think this is definitely the first step because, you know, that's also something I say a lot um, in activism, like safe space doesn't exist. Like it will never be 100% safe, you know, because for example, um, you and I, we have a different definition of what it means to be in a safe space. Uh, and it's really based not only on your identity, but also on your experience, because, you know, maybe you went through a um, negative or traumatic experience. Uh, maybe we don't share the same values and so on, right? So um, I think that's why it's super important to always listen to feedback. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really like a UX process, you know, that when you build a new feature or when you create a new process, you should always base um this new process or feature on research and research doing survey like qualitative uh, sorry qualitative interview or quantitative survey which you can all do in HR like here we started to do an employee well-being survey every month yeah and it really allow us to so to see for example um, because we have um, editorial offices in a few countries and Spain is one of them but we are never really in touch right so like the a bit outside of the constellation, if that makes sense, um, yeah. because the main office is in Berlin. And through the employee well-being survey, we realized that Spain has the lowest score. And it was really surprising, you know, because sometimes you talk to the chief of Spain and they're like really nice and friendly. You would never know that Spain team, Spain's team is 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 not feeling it, you know? Yeah. And then in the employee well-being, like they can give comment and they can say, actually, you know, I'm like super demotivated. Like I express this and this and this. And I think like this kind of survey is really nice to also um like the feedback that they give is not always actionable. It's fine. But based on the feedback as HR or people in culture, mm -hmm. 
um, I think it is our duty to come up with an actionable like plan, right? Yeah. And say, okay, for Spain specifically, like the pain point is very specific. Because I think, of course, you can have global processes, you can have global DNA strategy, but a lot of time you need to be you need to localize this strategy. Uh, I mean, I had a lot of experience like uh, implementing your process like globally, you know, to kind of create a global process for everyone when it's not unified. I mean, generally, let's be honest, like the intention from the management is to save money on FTE, also to create transparency, but there is always a money factor behind, of course. Um, but I think it's very interesting, you know, because a lot of people um, would create a global process, which is very like Eurocentric, white centric. I mean, you know, like basically based on this like privilege thing. Um, and what can I say? Mm, like, you know, like the process is already biased in a way, because I mean, to put it in other words, I would say most of the process are created for cis white straight men. Um, and this is kind of the issue. Um, but for example, you know, like even right now, we're opening, um, like we expanding to the US. And I think a lot of people will be like, oh, you know, we're already speaking English here and like it's going to be easy. But I think it's actually very complicated because like culturally, I I mean, in terms of like label, for example, you know, like um, what people do expect from the workplace. I think there is a very different, uh, very different. work culture, you know, with the US and I mean, within the group uh, where we are right now, uh, some companies already tried to open to the US and sometimes it was a complete fail, you know? And yeah. I think that's something that should not be underestimated. Um, but yeah, definitely, like, I think, you know, it doesn't matter the country, like, there are so many factors, like social, cultural, sometimes it's like, uh, could be about like religion also, you know, or yeah. like politics. Um, so yeah like working with different culture and different countries is actually very hard but and i think it can cost a lot of money this is a you know this is always an issue because then it's going to create turnover and i think this is i mean we can talk about it later but i think the main issue today is that people face is they are able to hire diverse mm -hmm. as they call it but they're not able to retain because in the numbers, if you like look at uh, how many women, for example, or women of color, I mean, even though you cannot use race in the statistics in Germany, at least, but you know, like, you know, like if it's a small company, you you know, without telling it, um, you would see that most of the women are staying level one, level two, and the more you go to executives, like the fewer women there is, for example. But then like you can have like all the criteria, like the age, um, like if they have kids or not, for example, would be super interesting, but we already know the answer. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think this is, um, yeah, I mean, data is everything today. I think data should be definitely used to highlight some trend and some bias, like what are the results? Yeah. Of course. Um, you, you spoke earlier on about obviously everyone's trying to save money. Like it comes down to, to costs. Um, obviously like, I don't know if we're in a recession or not. Like, I think there's all these people like we are in a recession, we're not in a recession, but there's definitely like a bit of a downturn just now. How, like, how do businesses in the face of a downturn, how do they make sure that like diversity, equity, inclusion, how, how do they keep that at, at, at the kind of forefront and stop 
stop that from being pushed backwards when budgets get cut and it's maybe not the most important thing on the agenda yeah i mean to be honest with you i feel it's not really a management concern i mean we have to be honest on this that i think as people in culture like diversity and inclusivity you're kind of in the middle right because on let's say on one side you have the management and i think they are very money driven i mean to be honest i i barely met any like executive leader or c-level who really care about this topic um but i think spnc of course if you're doing this job at least that's how i see things mm -hmm. for me it's important you know to have work ethic and it's important to like promote diversity you know um and therefore you're kind of in the middle uh, sometimes you need to kind of you need to convince uh, the leaders that your strategy, of course, it's about diversity, but at mm -hmm. the end, uh, it will all make sense on a financial level. And I mean, if I can give you an example, um, one of the things is to analyze the situation at the moment, like, for example, like last year or last two years, and is to show things that they didn't see. So, for example, you could be like, oh, there is 20% turnover. And they'd be like, we don't care about the turnover. Like, there is turnover everywhere. Mm -hmm. But if you tell them that 20% turnover is 3 million euro per year, that is not the same. And they're like, oh, 3 million. Okay. So then, like, once you kind of, like, hook them up, because you need to speak the language. I yeah. think it's, you know, like, that's something which is really important in change management. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter what new things you want to implement. You need to convince the sponsor. And your sponsor is the key to your pro project success. So your sponsor generally will be a C-level or executive, and you need to make them clear, like, what is the contract? Meaning, like, how many hours per week are you able to invest? Uh, but also what you need to do specifically. Generally, they don't need to do much. You know, they just need to do a little bit of communication in, like, hold in when all the employees are here, maybe send an email to all the company. But that's the thing, USPNC, you can prepare the material, you can write the email for them, yeah. or you can, you know, kind of make their life easier, but they need to be the face of it. Because there is also a reality, like nobody likes HR, you know, like, I, I mean, I hope people understand this, like, you don't do HR to be liked by people, because... Yeah. People are, you know, they're just annoyed uh, because they're like, it's changing all the time and I don't get the point. But when it comes to the management, it is impactful because they will explain why we're going that direction. So to give you a precise example, because I think it's a little bit abstract at the moment. Right now we're saying like, we have this percentage of turnover and it's coding this money. What can we do to retain those people? And actually, I don't even need to say that I want to retain women and so on because management don't care, you know, unfortunately, like yeah. this is a reality. I say like, okay, let's create a performance review where you're going to raise on one side, like the goals, individual goals. So basically it's like KPIs um, that you can like quantify. Then to rate the fit according to the value. So it's not only like how good of a performer you are, but it's like how good of a colleague are you, you know? Like, so for the value we have ownership, for example, which means also honing your mistakes, uh, better done than perfect, meaning that it's okay to do mistakes. But you need to see every mistake as an opportunity to learn, right? Yeah. Um, and so on and so on. And um, then the idea is to connect this performance review to a career path. 
and this is how you retain talents. But in my head, it's more specific. This is how we retain all the women and LGBTQ and people of color will left the organization yeah. because they didn't have, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. I think sometimes you don't need to bring diversity in every conversation with every stakeholders, but this is my goal on a personal level to like retain those people, right? Yeah, it's um, like it, it doesn't it doesn't need to be the C-suite's focus, but there needs to be someone there whose focus it is to take that away from the C-suite, which is you by the sense of things. Yeah, basically, I think it really, de- I mean, basically, like, it's, you have a project, in that case, it's like performance review and compensation. Mm-hmm. When you go to C-level, you don't say it's for diversity. Yeah. No, you, you, you say, like, we're losing money, we need to retain people. Yeah. Super general. And it's our way of doing things. It's working pretty well. That's what I would recommend sometime. But I think that this is very nice because the final goals will be rich. You will both reach like the financial goals. Yeah. Which anyway, you need to reach because otherwise the company is closing basically. And nobody's going to have a job. (laughs) Exactly. No, but this is a reality, right? That you cannot ignore. Uh, But then on the other side, uh, it's sending a strong signal to all those people who answer negatively to the NPS survey. They're like, oh, okay, I said uh, I want to be raised. I know like the whole company is having this first, like a performance review for the first time in seven years. I think this is a strong signal that finally something is happening. Finally, they are doing something which is structure, fair. Because the idea also of this kind of project, and I think it happens in a lot of company, like you have nepotism. So generally what happened is like, you will have cis men, cis white men specifically, who are gonna go to C-level and say, hey, I want 15 cable. No performance because it is not track. Um, I don't know, nothing to justify. Sometimes there is no change in the responsibilities. There is no change in the job title. And I think this is where the issue is because I think there is a culture in a lot of companies where they expect you to ask for salary raise. And then they will be like, well, we don't promote women because they never they move forward. They never ask for it. But from my experience, this is not true. Because uh, in many companies, I noticed that some women are asking for salary raise. They can prove that they have the performance. Like they can prove everything. That yeah. They can say, this is my return on investment. And it's still denying. But on the other side, because friend of friends of friends, oh, you know, I mean, they might be at the end because there is no performance. And sometimes you have like crazy salary increase, which are approved by C-level and finance. And this is exactly what we want to stop with this kind of process, like performance review. um, Yeah, like the whole thing, career path and so on. Um, This is also very important to retain those talent because you're sending them a strong signal and say, we know it happened in the past and this is not going to happen anymore. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you're bringing value to the company, you will be rewarded regardless of your identity. Yeah. First, so you seem quite like, I mean, we've spoke about there about KPIs um, and when I checked out your LinkedIn profile, like you had quite a lot of like, figures on there and money that you'd saved and and and, and things that you had improved um while working at Upday how do like obviously you're saying that you don't really present this to C-suite but do you keep your own data on the 
like diversity, equity, and inclusion in the companies, or you know, and 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 if you do, like, do you have like KPIs that you have in in your role that you want to hit for diversity? So to be honest, because I started like less than a year ago, like we don't have like proper KPI, yeah. but I'm working on it. So this is the next step in the project. Um, what did I say? So basically, I already calculated the unadjusted uh, gender pay gap. So how you do, let's say in tech department, you take the salary of, of all the women and then you take the salary of all the men, mm -hmm. like regardless of uh, regardless of position and level of seniority, right? Yeah. And then you say, okay, in tech, uh, women are earning 25% less than men, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so this is like the unadjusted... <clears throat> This is a unadjusted um, gender salary gap, but the idea is to do a adjusted. So adjusted, you can use a lot of criteria, but as I mentioned before, in Germany, like you cannot use race, for example, or sexuality, but it would be interesting to do it. But what you can use, I think it's uh, age, uh, also like the level, because the thing is like, <clears throat> it doesn't really make, but I mean, it's, it, it is, it is giving you an idea to say women are earning 25% less than men in tech, but I think it's more interesting to say for the same level, for the same responsibility, what is a trend? Because then it's easier to interpret, right? Um, the thing right now, um, like in any organization, one of the main struggle is like there is no consistency when it comes to the job title. Yeah. And actually, and there is no career path. So if you ask me right now to give you this KPI, I cannot give it to you because first of all, like we need to clean the mess. And this is exactly what we're doing right now. We're going to, so for example, we have journalists in every country, but they have like different job title. So the idea is for, regardless of the country, as the same job title, which will be news editor. And then you have junior mm. news editor, then senior um, team lead, um, head of director, VP, chief of, right? And we also give the level, like we also keep the level consistent across the organization. So then it's like, I don't know, it's not team lead, um, news editor will be team lead uh, marketing and so on, right? Yeah. So once you have this and you assign the people in the level that they should be, then you can analyze this. And then you can be like, okay, um, they are, I don't know, Android women's were junior in the company mm -hmm. like 100 women were junior like regardless of the position how many women across the organization have been promoted to mid-level and then you can compare the same number with men how many men have been promoted from junior to senior and then yeah. you can do it specifically per position or per department but this was really this will really show you a trend which is always the same generally uh like it's a pyramid that the more you go to executive like the less women are promoted and i mean even right now when i look at the number we have so many women as working students but i i think there are more women who are working as a working students than men but when yeah. you go to executive it's the contrary so the idea is to not do a pyramid, but more rectangles that like it's equal, like men and like how the number of men were promoted and women were promoted. Um, 
you're almost looking at like can I'm I, I'm in the middle of doing like my like business review for this month just now right and we track like how many leads come in and how many of those convert to like actual opportunities right so you're kind of doing like opportunity convert or like conversion rates between how many totally. convert from a bottom level to a mid level and then convert from there to the top level yeah that's quite interesting yeah yeah definitely um but that's why I'm saying like data is everything, but sometimes you don't have, uh, you cannot exploit the data. And I think this is the first step to look at the flows of the system because you cannot, comp I mean, you cannot analyze data if everybody has a different job title and there is no clear level because then a level means, and this, this is what's going to happen with a performance review. Um, to give you an example, let's say you have a senior backend. Right. I mean, I just invent the number, but you have a senior backend and you have this woman who is earning 60K and this man who is earning 70K. Yeah. So then they will both be in the compensation band for senior backend. Mm -hmm. The woman will be at the minimum of the compensation band and the man will be at the top because the thing is, which happened in the organization, sometimes you have people who are senior, who are better paid that even what the market can offer, but actually they don't bring any return on investment for the salary. Mm -hmm. And then the thing is those people will be like, yeah, but uh, you know, I want to have a better salary like anybody else. And then how you can handle the situation in a very objective and fair way is look at the level and the competencies and say, okay, you want to be promoted, but you're already at the maximum of the compensation band for senior. So the next step will be team lead, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then you tell them, like, first of all, like before looking at the competencies that you need to bring for team lead, let's look at the competencies that you should fulfill for senior. And then you're like, I'm really sorry, but like when it comes to prioritization, actually there is a room of improvement. Mm -hmm. And for the salaries that we pay you, which is the maximum of the compensation band, you are not fulfilling your duties. You know, and there is kind of this strategy to use this structure and uh, what it means for each competencies, because it's not gut feeling, you know, it's not like you're not working well or you're not doing this, you know, like it's very actionable. Like your communication skills, really bad. You're not able to have a conflict, you know, like this kind of thing. Fit according to the values. Yeah, you are a top performer, but actually, like when you make mistake, you always blame other people. This is not what we want here in the company. Yeah. You know, and like that's the thing. Like you need to use this to kind of um gatekeep people yeah. who don't deserve the promotion. Because some people will be like, Yeah, you know, I'm just gonna leave. And I'm saying, okay. sure, you can leave. You, you can leave. You know, because yeah, you're not, I you're, think that's what happened generally. Yeah, you're not you're not someone that we're desperate to keep, so <clears throat> You can leave. A lot of companies get themselves into this situation so and that they like when they're small, obviously, <clears> like you start off with 20, 30 people and people get job titles just based on because they're the only person doing that. And then you add another person in and they get a different job title. And then it spirals and companies get to a certain size and they go, we don't have any structure for job titles, for promotions, for pay rises and people are just paid based on what they want when they when they take the job yeah i mean from my experience i think like this um 
<clears throat> when it's a startup, you know, like there are a lot of people who are there since day one. And when it's been like five, six, seven years, like this, this is where you can see the nepotism because the nepotism will happen with those people who are there for years in their company. And there were no processes, no nothing, you know, so people were doing what they wanted. And then at one point, you start to bring structure, you start to have a relevant PNC department who say, we need to do like this and like this and like this. Mm -hmm. Not only to be structured, but to be like legally compliant also sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a hard shock for a lot of people because uh, they feel like you're taking privileges for them. Uh, where yeah. it is true in a way, you know, that they had some privileges, which actually were not supposed to be in the first place. Um, but yes, that's why like this kind of project with performance review, compensation structure is really important. Um, not only to be fair, you know, but it's also if you want to survive as a company, if you want to scale up, this is a thing. Like if you want to scale, like you cannot be in this mess when there is no consistency about job title and mm -hmm. so on, especially if you're going to other country, because I feel if I remember correctly, like at least for journalists in the US, it is mandatory that they have a career path. So actually it's really good timing that we already have a career path for journalists in the US that will be consistent across the organization. You know, and I know for some people, they will be like, yeah, why do we need a career path? It's so administrative, blah, 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 you know, but I think it's actually really useful because it's such a powerful tool to help the manager because mm -hmm. a lot of managers are not trained to be people manager and they've been promoted to the position of team leader, not because they're good leaders, but, because but for other reasons. Job. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And that's the thing. Most of them, they never receive <clears throat> leadership training. They never receive training on how to do one-on-one, how to give feedback, how to do performance review, how to create goals for the team. So many people or department were like, we don't have goals. I'm like, how come you don't have goals? Like, Why? you know, like, <laughs> are we living in the same planet? You know, we don't have goals. Um, <clears throat> so I think it's... Um, this kind of project is really important because you give them all the tools and they just need to use the tools. And it's actually very simple. Like, what is the competency? What can you improve? What are your strengths? Like, you give them structure. You give them, like, easy process to follow. And, yeah, I think it's a learning from everyone also for us, you know, and I think this is the most exciting part of this project. Cool. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like you've you've done a lot so far. You've put a lot into it, so... Well done. <laughs> yeah. I always like to have a little bit in these podcasts, just a little bit of insight that people can almost take away take away with them when they listen so that they're not just listening to people talking. So I guess from your point of view, right, and all the learnings that you've taken from recruitment, UX, all the different things, what are the kind of top three ways that you think that businesses can make their recruiting process? as diverse as possible? Hmm. I would say number one is to make your recruiting process inclusive. Um, and when I say the recruiting process, it starts from the street, you know, like your website. Um, yeah. Because a lot of people uh, with disability or neurodiverse people, like they will not apply because your website, for example, is not accessible yeah. or because your advertising on the street is also not accessible, you know, for people with visual impairment, for example, specifically. <clears throat> um, I think it is... Um, a necessity today, like I think it should be mandatory for every company to 
offer accommodation to people with disability because sometimes the recruiting process is like a video interview or a PDF technical assignment. Yeah. And, you know, some people, like, for example, autistic people, like they prefer to receive the question in advance. Um, so there are a lot of things that you can do, which basically cost zero euro, but actually will bring you the best talent. Um, I mean, myself, uh, I have ADHD and I think to have people with disability or neurodiverse people in your team is actually a strength because they see patterns that other people don't. Um, but yeah, I would say the first thing is to have an inclusive uh, recruiting process mm-hmm. in that sense. Um, so second thing I would say it's anti-bias. Uh, I am super biased, you know, like uh everyone is but i think this is the first step to recognize that uh you have preferences or you know any kind of bias um therefore it's important to train everyone in the company like the hiring managers the team also yourself i mean i'm very interested in the topic and i read a lot and i try to reflect on my own bias Mm -hmm. um what i can recommend uh as a process is to use brick uh, it's a cognitive skill test uh, where you can um, select. I mean, you can do two things. You can do a fit according to the values, um, but you can also add a specific personality trait um, according to the position. So, for example, for backend, will be attention to detail. For design, will be abstract reasoning, right? And then based on the personality trait. Um, for this specific position, you will have a percentage of fit. Um, and then the system will generate question automatically for the manager to ask. Mm-hmm. So then the manager receive interview guidelines on the weaknesses. So for example, maybe for teamwork, they only go 20%. So let's ask a question on like, how do you collaborate in a team? And then they need to write the answer in the system. Um, so this will be the second thing, like the anti-bios. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing, uh, automatize as many things as possible. And on one on one side, you can save cost, but you can also make the, let's say in that case, uh, applicant experience as smooth as possible. Um, I mean, a few example, quickly, Calendly link. Just send a Calendly for everything, you know? Um, video presentation. What I do is like when people apply, um i send them a form mm-hmm. because i used to do an intro call but the intro call you know it's very basic and uh, first of all for me it's a pain in the ass because i need to write everything and first of all sometimes i will write my own interpretation i will make mistakes sometimes you know like because of uh different accent um not understanding everything and of course you know english is not my first language maybe it is not the first language either so you know sometimes we're like we're running a bottleneck yeah, so yeah, what i do is like I send them an email and I say, hey, thank you for applying. Like, we will love your profile. Please, first of all, like, here's a company presentation. And then I record myself with a presentation and say, hey, you know, like, we're working agile. Like, we have offices in Spain, Europe, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is all the products that we have. We have a website. We have an app. Like, this is the benefits. This Mm -hmm. is our company values. You present everything in a video because maybe they don't like it. And I'm like... You know what? I want to. I don't want to waste uh, anybody's time. 
So if you see yourself walking forward after watching the video, amazing, please fill the form. But if you don't, then you don't need to, you don't need to reply. Then the form is very simple because I'm not saying like, hey, let's schedule an intro call 30 minutes during your week because maybe you're super busy and like you have something else to do and you want to do it in the evening. You want to take the time to write a nice answer because, you know, sometimes it's a little bit stressful. Sometimes you're not prepared. So I send them the form and then they can be like, okay, you know, this is what I need. Like three things that are important for me in a team, three things which makes a good leader. Um, sometimes you can ask questions specific to the... Mm, like field of expertise, like um, what is the what is the main challenge when maintaining an API, for example, for backend, right? Yeah. And then they can write a lot of things like, please be detailed as possible, because I'm not the only one reviewing the feedback. The hiring manager will also review the technical answer, and based on the answer to this question, which is very detailed and very clean and structured, because it's not me typing, you know. Yeah. Then we can come back to them and say, hey, thank you so much. So like there are many ways you can automatize the process to also make it more inclusive. It was my first point. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, as I mentioned before, uh, three things like uh, inclusivity, um, anti-bias strategy, I'd say. Yeah. And the last one is uh, automation, like for, you know, better efficiency. I think that would be the three points. Yeah. And obviously you're... you're your automation isn't just good for inclusivity. As you said, it's like you can review things, that hiring manager can review things, um, and it, it just makes things a bit easier for people. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's also for us in terms of workload, like you actually don't need so many people to do the job. I like the idea is to automatize as many administrative tasks, operational yeah. tasks as possible. I mean, I also work with... Uh, AI a lot. I use ChatGPT every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, there are other platforms, right? Notion and so on. But yeah, I think it's definitely something uh, people should investigate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't don't tell my boss that. Um, okay, so final thing, and then we can we can wrap up. I'm gonna do your top three again. What are the top three pieces of advice you would give to your younger self if you were just starting out in your career today? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, first of all, I would say uh, don't be afraid to do mistakes. Um, just go for it. Uh, it's never a failure. It's always an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I think that would be my first thing. Uh, the second thing is uh, share knowledge all the time. I think there is this misconception that, for example, you're going to steal my idea, mm. right? And I'm like, no, I don't care because the more we share, the more we learn from each other, the stronger the networks, the stronger the community. And this is where we can really have an impact. So I would definitely like share, yeah, share knowledge. Um, the last one I would say is, yeah, um, it's kind of similar, but I think community is everything. Uh, it is really important to build community and especially when it comes to activism, you know, like women, LGBTQ, well, you know, no need to mention, but also in companies. And I think this is something that's missing because uh, capitalism is built in a way that it makes you be like super individualistic. 
And also like within the organization, like especially between women, like there is a competition mm -hmm. um, where women will rather uh, belittle each other than uh, team up to uh, tackle the real problem, which is, you know, like the men above. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this is actually uh, terrible. I think it's happening a lot. And I think this should change, you know, that people need to understand that we need to focus on the good side and how we can team up together to to have an impact. And Community is everything. It's like your mental health support. It is a support in terms of idea, in terms of like, you know, if you need anything. Uh, this is something that should not be underestimated and can bring you very, very far, like to to build community. Yeah, it's really important. Yeah. Woman helping woman um, is um, very, very important because I think you're right, like, I think women quite often just stand on each other to get to the top of the pile. Um, and and actually, if you if you work work together, like I mean, here at Solutions Driven, right? We have all the women in our team. We all do quite different jobs, so there's not there's not really all women in our mm. leadership team. We all do quite different jobs. There's not really that competition, but actually, it's probably the most like like community feel that we have. Like we all work so well together. And and I've been mm. in places in the past where it's been such a kind of bitchy feel and nobody nah. wins nobody wins when you all fight against each other so totally agree with your third point i agree with all your points but i i very much i identify with your third point quite a lot so yeah yeah i mean i would say just as one thing i mean as you mentioned i think for me it's really important uh doesn't matter if it's a like a community or company to create a separate space where you can talk uh freely about mental health and I think it's really important to feel safe enough to go to the office and be like, you know what, I'm having a really bad day. Like, I don't feel like talking or, you know, I would prefer stay home because right now I'm really struggling with, I don't know, the kids or my husband or, you know, whatever situation. I think it's really cool to have co-worker who will not judge you and will make the space to listen to you, you know, because... I think like this is not true that you can perform to your best every day. Sometimes you also need to put yourself first. Um yeah. And I think um, if the company or the people surrounding you are making the space, I think this is definitely super important because it's not always about your KPIs. You're also a person and you also have like emotional needs. And I think giving you this will make you a better performer at the end. You know, it's a win-win for the company. But I think most of the times those needs are excluded. Uh, the people feel not listened to and then, you know, it kind of escalates. Uh, it creates a lot of frustration, a lot of resistance, and this is not what we want, right? <laughs> no, and it's, and it's good that the last couple of years, especially, there's been a bit more of a highlight on on in workplaces to, to, to try and look after people's mental health, especially if, I don't know how things are in Germany, but here in the UK, the government and the health service don't really care very much. So it's important that private companies um, do, them, do the best they can for the people that work for them. Yeah, I think at the end, you know, it's also at an individual level. I think everybody can be an activist. Like, I think you don't need to go to demonstration or do big things. Um, activism is in the daily little things you know like for example at your workplace if you're like hey you know what i'm just gonna take 15 minutes to have a coffee with this co-worker because i see they're not feeling well and i'm gonna create a space for them it's already some kind of activism you know because you are building community for this person uh and i think this is a beautiful thing about it that all of us we can have an impact um 
doesn't matter how small it is. If you pile up all those small impacts together, then you know it's it's really powerful. And I think like, yeah, it's it's. I think it's good to have this approach to be like, maybe you don't have capacity, you don't have time, but you always have time for fifty minutes coffee, you know. And this is already good, I think. Um. Thank you so much for coming on today, Stella. This has been like really insightful. Um, I've I've loved your I've loved your I've loved your advice at the end there. It's been great. Um, thank you again. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you can uh, reach out to us on Audacity. <laughs> That's <laughs> this right. New agency that we're building, also a community. Send and... send me a I don't know website link or social media link, whatever you have. Yeah, yeah. we have a website. I build everything. Yeah. I can imagine. If you send me that through, I'll pop it in the show notes so anybody who's listening can uh, access it. And, and best of luck with that because it sounds like it's a really exciting new venture you've got. Cool. Yeah, thank you so much for the interview. I really had the best time. Uh, it was really nice talking to you. And yeah, I hope to stay in touch in the future. And you're also more than welcome to join the webinars that we are going to organize on the 30th of March. Fantastic. On this performance review topic, <laughs> I will send you the link also. Great. Free yeah. webinar. Sounds good. And I'm sure that some people in our audience would find that really useful as well. So I'll pop it in the show notes. Um, great. Okay. Well, listen, I will let you go. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Um, and I'm sure we'll be seeing loads of things from you soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. Bye-bye.